Hey, Jared. Hey, Robin. Where did Noah keep his bees? Oh, I have no idea. In his archives. Oh, my goodness. Hey, Jared. Hey, Robin. Why couldn't the pirate learn the alphabet? I don't know. Because he was always lost at sea. Oh, my goodness. These are terrible. <laughs> oh, I love them so much. And then there's this hilarious meme at the end. But, um... Hey, it's Robin. And Jared. This is Thank God It's Monday. Woo! All right. I must admit, when I started researching this, I didn't expect it to go so in-depth. I thought it was going to be like a Merriam-Webster definition in the dictionary that was going to tell me what a human was. It would be easy if it, if it was simple to find out or go into this topic of like what it means to be human. Yeah. I think that's partly what makes us human is that we are so complicated. And that we have such in-depth thought. <laughs> that is true. We do have in-depth thought. Some of us. Some, some of us. Some, some people are not gifted in thinking. <laughs> in preparation for this topic, what, what are some things that came up that you were intrigued about or thought about or... I think the one thing I read and I read something about taking away emotions and thinking and imagination and stuff like that. I read an article. It was pretty much explaining if you take away humanism, if you take away humanity from a person, what does that look like? And I think it struck me completely because you basically become like predators, like you just do what you need for yourself to survive. That's it. That's all there is to being alive. If you don't have humanity, you... You lose love, you lose empathy, you lose care for other people, you lose, like, what's the point of even having a relationship? It's crazy. So was this, was this article saying that in order to find out what makes us human, it was taking away things that would separate us from, say, wild animals and saying, because I'm taking this away, it actually makes us human. So if we add it back to that sort of person it makes us human correct yeah, it was kind of it was kind of like that definitely it definitely co compared us to our closest relatives which are chimpanzees and bonobos and if you take away a lot of aspects of humanity although chimpanzees are pretty loving and affectionate but so maybe let's let's go maybe back to the beginning because why why do we want to talk about this topic why do we want to explore what makes us human if it's such a big topic and so hard to sort of define or reach an end goal. Cause I mean, it's, there's, I think at no point in this conversation will we be like, yep. Okay. This is what makes us human and be happy with it. Mm -hmm. So why do we want to enter this conversation knowing that there's nothing, there's no sort of end goal or end sort of point on this conversation? I think Humanity or being human, it's the one thing we all have in common. If you strip away race, if you strip away language, culture, at the core of it, we're all human. And there's something inherent in all of us that connects us. And I think, yeah, that's the one thing that joins people together. If you go throughout the world, there's people who, I don't care what your religion is, I don't care what you believe, we're human and we need to care for each other. That's why you get all the like human dignity campaigns and the various social movements. It's because we all have that one thing in common, we're all human and we need to take care of each other. 
Yeah, that is right. I mean, we are all all human, I suppose, and we all have that in common. And exploring that obviously brings up our differences and our ways that we react to certain things and the ways that we see certain things. And that's almost what we want to celebrate is that our uniqueness has differences. And through those differences, we become unique and we get our identity. And if we are able to shed light on our identity as what it means to be human, I think we have done a good, like that's partially what I'd say as our goal is to shed light on our identity as being human. Because I think if we have our identity right, we can go forward and not really worry about our differences because we know that they are uniquely ours and they were created that way. And from that, we can use that to go forward in our life and celebrate those differences yeah definitely and I think the different the differences it's also makes us the whole thing of being uniquely human and having humanity like we all have this core thing that's the same but within that we're all very different and I think that's that's something other species don't have and what makes us different and separates us and I think that's it's actually really beautiful when you go and you put look in a room of people and you look at how different each one is they're all very human but they're all also very different and I think that's that's incredible and that should definitely be celebrated. Yeah, I agree. And I mean, it's also what what makes us human is these differences. I mean, if we were all the same, just think about it, it would be pretty boring. We'd basically be chimpanzees. We would be chimpanzees. <laughs> yeah. And it would be it would be like, what is the purpose of us being human? I'm sure that there's a purpose for us to be human. Otherwise, why would we be here? Maybe it's... We're going to discover that as we go in on this conversation. It's going to be an exciting journey. I think it's going to be exciting. So maybe let's go and and talk about in our research, like what makes us uniquely human. So from different viewpoints. So, so Robin, in your in your research or preparing for this, what are some things that you discovered that make us uniquely human? The one thing that I think everyone must have heard is that um, quote by Aristotle, which is, I think, therefore I am. And that stemmed from him going into this whole, like, I think probably a, a sort of existential crisis where he was like philosophizing on what does it mean to be, what does it mean to live? What does, what, how do I know I'm alive? And his conclusion was, I think, therefore I am. And his only solid thing that he took away from all of his research and thinking was he thinks that's what makes him different. And I think that is, that's like the foundation of what sets us apart from other creatures is we have the ability to think, which leads us to have an imagination. It leads us to love. It leads us to have empathy and compassion. And I think that's where most of the research stems from, whether it's neuroscience or biology or theology, whatever your, your research field is. I think at the core of it, we're able to think and that makes us, that sets us apart. So if we were to look at, say, for instance, a, a buck or a springbok on the Sahara Desert or in, the, in, the, in, in Kruger National Park, if we were to think of a buck that's in Kruger National Park and we were to look at it, it would be fair to say that he doesn't go through his day-to-day -day life thinking, why am I eating grass? Why am I running from a lion when I hear it roar? Why, why, why? He's, why is he asked? Like he's, it'd be fair to say that he's not asking that question, correct? I think we can safely assume that. I don't know. I think it would be a very sad thought pattern if they were constantly thinking about what they were doing. 
Although it would be interesting if there was a Springbok to rise up and say, I'm done with this. <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to be the hunted anymore. I'm going to be the hunter and go after a lion. I think it would be, it would be the very short career. It would be a very, very, very short career that he would not last. Maybe they're actually smarter than we think. Maybe they are. They know they're quick and they can run. Mm. So maybe just do what you're good at. Exactly. Maybe we need to learn from the Springbok in the Sahara. I think that's right. I think, I think, I think that's the, one of the things that makes us human is that we're able to, to look at things around us and humanize them. Oh, for sure. Yeah. So, I mean, I see in my parents' dog, I see some of our human sort of nature coming out, being loyal, being loving. In my, in like, so my parents' law, my parent-in-laws, they have a cat and I see this cat being disloyal <laughs> and yeah. sort of, sort of evil scheming, but it's not. I'm just seeing it replicating what I see in another human on it sort yeah. of thing. And maybe in squirrels, I see them as being thieves coming into the garden and stealing the figs off the tree, which I could enjoy. And it, I don't think it chose a life of being a thief. I think it was created <laughs> that way. That poor squirrel. Most people love squirrels and here you are, <laughs> ruining their name and reputation. I mean, not all squirrels are thieves. We can't generalize, but I think... Where are they meant to get food? They can't go to a store. <laughs> they have to come to humans and wherever they've planted trees or food or thing. I think that's also another thing that makes us human is that we know how to look after mm. each other. Yeah, we're self-sustaining. We also, yeah. And we also... what. We don't, we don't just take what we need, we take more than what we need. I have never seen another animal do that. That is, that is true. And I think that's the beautiful thing is that as humans, we are able to imagine something greater. We are able to imagine a future that's not yet been created. Mm. We've been able to imagine a life that has not been lived and we are able to actually create that. And I think if we look at, at other species and creatures, I don't see that. I don't see them imagining a future and going forward and saying, no, this is going the wrong direction. We need to, we need to stop this. That's also, that's also a really great point because if we couldn't imagine the future, if we couldn't see forward, if we couldn't think long-term, we wouldn't experience anxiety. Like the world has become rife with anxiety and depression and that type of thing. And I actually think it's just a, hu it's part of the human condition because we have that imagination and we're able to, while we are able to dream and imagine good things, we're also able to do the complete opposite. And I, that was actually one of the points I read up about yesterday is that humans are anxious. We have more choice than ever. We're more free in our thinking and what we're able to express and imagine. And I don't think we've ever had as many options as we do right now with our futures. And I think that's a large part of what contributes to anxiety. And I think we are, I mean, you get animals that are, I guess your dogs can get pretty anxious, but I'm sure they learn that from their humans. I've seen anxious dogs that have anxious owners. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's right. I think we are able to teach other creatures um, human sort of things that make us human. I mean, I've seen a chimpanzee write, and I wouldn't have, that chimpanzee would have had no reason to write unless some scientist wanted to teach it to prove a point. So I think we able to, to do that and that's the thing that that makes us again that makes us human is to imagine a chimpanzee writing and to teach it to create that mm. sort of thing so we're trying to to enforce our humanity on other 
creatures. And I think that's partially the downfall of being human is that we having to enforce what we think and believe to be human on other things, to be able to see ourselves in them and being like, only once that's happened, we're like, okay, cool. That's like good. You know, where, where we, where we should just be able to accept them and us to be who we are and created and being like, okay, we are human. They chimpanzees. Like why, why do we need to explore that a little more? Yeah. I also, the one thing you said really was also really cool is you said the thing about creating. No, we create like humans create awesome, awesome things. Look at architecture, look at art, look at, I mean, we just, we're creating wherever we go and no other creature does that. They just carry on with their lives. They just carry on with, they just survive. They just do what they were born to, like made to do. They don't think further than that. We're humans. We create, we make things better. We learn how to, to write. We learn how to, we make stories. We, we're storytellers, which I don't think any other animal does. I think creating and the ability to create, the desire to create and the ability to execute it, I think that makes us very human. I think creating is a huge part of what sets us apart because we can think, because we can imagine, because we can love. When you have a love and a passion for something, you want to create it. Like if you didn't enjoy drawing, why would you create all the amazing things that you create? If I didn't enjoy writing, why would I do it? So love and thinking and imagination and creating, I think that's also, that's all very core to being human. I think let's talk about a little bit about imagination. I think we touched on it a little bit, and I think that's partially the core of what it means to be human is to be able to imagine. Um, and I think that gives us the ability to create. So we have to imagine or think about it first, or dream about it, to be able to create. Um, so we can't, we can't almost, we can't create something without thinking about it or imagining it. If that makes sense. So taking it a step back from being creative. Yes, we are creative. I mean, we created to create. And from there we have to, in order to create, we have to imagine it. So, I mean, part of having your imagination is that we have our imagination to be able to create to imagine those things that we can create as humans. And that is basically taking what we cannot see and making it physical, which I think is very unique to humans. And that can be the good and the bad. I mean, villains don't, they don't, they don't ask for sort of permission to create their bad world where us as humans sometimes would say, quote unquote, good people, are less sort of driven to create those good sort of worlds that people can imagine. And I don't know why that is. Um, I don't know why people are sort of don't have that permission to create where we have it as part of our imagination. And with our imagination, we can imagine a good world or a better world and create that. But sometimes we get stuck in that imagination side. As in we don't have the drive to actually fulfill what we've imagined and go through with it and create it. So there's that like lack of ambition. I think sometimes we just get stuck in our imagination. Like, I mean, it's, it's nice to dream. It's nice to think good things and think good thoughts. Um, but it's also dangerous. 
I know, I think it can be dangerous because I know as a kid, I daydreamed a lot. And even as a teenager, I think only as I've gotten older, have I learned how to not just daydream and actually fulfill it. I think it's just, it becomes an escape and a comfort zone, I guess. Yeah, that's but true. But it's still something that's really unique to us. Yeah, it does. I think it does become an escape and a comfort zone. I mean, we're living in a world that is not at its full potential and it's not what it, it's like in the grand picture of things, it's not doing what it could be doing. Um, and we want to imagine that place to be better. And we often get stuck in that. Also fear of failure, because also another unique human characteristic is you can imagine if this fails, these are going to be the consequences. And rather than taking that risk, the fear of failure stops you from doing that. Whereas like, in the wild, a lion sees that cute little springbok. It doesn't say, oh, what if I don't catch it? It just goes for it and starts the hunt. So, yeah, we definitely have fear. <laughs> no, that is true. I think if you think about it, the lion, if, if, if the lion fails, he's just going to try again. But exactly, as humans, if we fail, it's like, oh, that wasn't a good idea or that wasn't something good enough to succeed. So we don't necessarily try again, we move on to something else where that's definitely part of being human compared to being like an animal where that lion is just going to, he's just going to go after the springbok, a different one, but it's going to be the same thing. Exactly. Yeah. So that's, a, I think that's a really cool defining factor of what makes us human as well. The ability to fear. The ability to fear. That is very interesting. I've never actually thought of it that way. I mean, um, to like a, Animals have the survival instinct of fear, but that's so that they don't die and that they continue surviving. Humans have fears that definitely do not have anything to do with their survival. Usually those fears that don't have anything to do with survival actually center around ourselves. Like we're fearful of what people will think about us, what people will say, what we come across as, and that often stops us from doing things. Mm, definitely. Which is not right, because I think that that's that's something that is it's natural but it actually stops us from going forward and i think one of the things also of being human is that we're consistently going forward as a species yeah we continually developing and that also i think it brings out another cool point that is unique to being human <clears throat> is we're going forward and we constantly seeking purpose we're always asking ourselves what is the purpose of life why are we here what is the point of even having a job and being good people and caring about other people? I think that's one thing that is unique to all of us and all of us experience this is what is the purpose? And I think that's, that's sort of like the layout of this podcast. We want to explore that yeah. and explore what is the purpose of life? What is things that we, um, other topics that we're going to engage in, um, which, which I'm very excited about. So one of the other things that makes us human is our gender so um we there's obviously two genders or there are not two genders we will explore that um but that's exactly what makes us human is our gender i think that one of the things about gender is and whether you believe it's society taught or it's inherent or whatever your opinion is on gender i think gender roles define your identity so whatever your gender is whether you believe it's biological or not or whether you believe it's something you choose or not it still influences your identity which is why they call it gender identity and I think 
that is a massive part in being human because different genders have different characteristics that offers different qualities to society. And that is very different to any other creature on earth. Yeah, that is, that is very different to going back to the, what the lion and the, the and the springbok. (laughs) (laughs) I think, I think it's, it's a tough one because with gender, it's almost like we need the gender to prove our identity right so we're seeking our identity and we use the gender or our gender as that identity which i mean to a sense is is right because if say for instance i was to walk into a room what's the first thing you pick up you definitely notice what you're wearing what you look like you label the person as male female exactly exactly and how i present that across is based on my gender so i will dress how my gender dresses if that makes sense mm. whether i think about it or not i do um and i'd like to see you coming in a skirt one day see what that does i think i think that would be flipping hilarious <laughs> a little bit confusing <laughs> I'd, I'd have to borrow some some high heels to go with that as well just <laughs> oh. to just to take it to that next level <laughs> what an image right i think i've actually got i think i've actually got a bright pink skirt that i wore for bachelor's that we could use. That would be hilarious. I'm sure your wife has some brilliant yeah. add-ons to that yeah, as well. Definitely, definitely. Cool. Next podcast, it's happening. <laughs> and that's the thing though. Even saying a bright pink skirt, like who who put those those colours there? Blue and pink. Why why is it that when I see a guy wearing a pink shirt in my head, the first thing that's automatic is like What's going on here? Yeah, that's a societal con- construct. That's like a whole different can of worms. Exactly. But it, pay, it, it, it feeds into this whole thing of our identity. Mm. So for instance, but I see you in a blue jacket and it's fine. You know, like I don't question it. But mm. when I see somebody in a pink sh- or a guy in a pink shirt, my first thing is like, what? Is it pink or is it salmon? Yeah, that's a good question. Mm. That is a good question. Because if it's salmon, it's okay. Or light salmon. There we go. Have you heard that clip from Friends? Yeah. <laughs> I think we're going to have to play that. Yeah. We have to play that. Hey, has anyone seen my shirt? It's a button-down, like a, a faded salmon color. You mean your pink shirt? Faded salmon color? No, I, I haven't seen your pink shirt. I think ultimately, actually... I've actually done looked into that a little bit, and it actually it was a flippin' marketing thing. The pink and blue. The pink and blue. The pink and blue was a marketing campaign that a company put on because boys and girls would generally wear black and white, and it was different. It was a similar style of clothing until they were like eight years old. Yeah, and boys wore dresses as well as kids. Exactly. But they weren't selling enough stuff to make enough profit. So this marketing company decided, oh, let's put some colors to the gender, which means we can sell twice as much, which in a sense, we've all bought into that. 100%. Which means I am going to come to work in a dress and not buy into this system. I mean, they sold the system on colors, not necessarily dresses. (laughs) This is true. This is true. Although I guess if you want to put it that way, like... In the biblical times, the men wore dresses. And I don't, I don't see them complaining or hear about them complaining. I think it must have been very freeing. <laughs> it must have been. It must have been. And cool in the summer times. Yes. 
Okay, we are we are hectically off topic. Off topic. Okay, there's also what does the loss of humanity mean? So, Robin, what does the loss of humanity mean to you? Or what does what do you think about that? Chaos, <laughs> absolute chaos. <laughs> World breaking down, nothing working. I think to an extent, we already experiencing a loss of hum- humanity, in the sense that we've become very self-focused. Um, so I think in today's day and age, we've become so focused on ourselves and what our purpose is that we don't think about other people and our decisions are detrimental to other people. And that's a definitely a loss of humanity. The way I treat someone, I mean, think of how desensitized we have become to homeless people. That's a loss of humanity. We don't feel bad. We just carry on living. So then would you say that then we would call that inhumane? For sure. I don't think, I think one of the key aspects of being a human is our ability to love other humans. And if you're not loving another human, I think it's inhumane because we're not treating them well. And that's very interesting because if you think about it, the only other time we use the term inhumane is on other creatures. It's on animals, yeah. So we will look at a tiger ripping off whatever a crocodile's head or something, and we'll say, that's so inhumane. Because we have that innate ability to imagine a better world. And we know what's right and wrong. Exactly. And to us, that is wrong. But to the animal, it's nature. So yet, if we send somebody to prison to die, is that inhumane or is that being human? You mean the death penalty? The death penalty. Well, damn. <laughs> what a question. We'll just, if you, if you out there have any thoughts on that, you can let us know. Because that, I think, is a much bigger topic to talk about. Yeah, I think that comes into, yeah, that is, that's a really good question to ask yourself when you're thinking about humanity. Is it even right for us to have the death penalty? To essentially play God or play Mother Nature or whatever it is you believe in. And essentially to be inhumane. So then going back to what you were saying previously about the homeless people on the street, seeing them and not doing anything about that is what you're saying, inhumane. But so then the question is then, can we be human without being a neighbor? Can we be human without being a neighbor? A neighbor in the broad sense being... Yes, not necessarily besties. Yeah, or living next door to each yeah. other. It's the person you're interacting with. It's being a good person. It's Yeah. I think a part of being a human is our desire and absolute need for community and for relationship. So I think at the basis and foundation, I would say we can't be human without being a neighbor. So then what does a neighbor look like to you? So I know for myself, looking like a neighbor is probably going to be different in the circumstance to circumstance. Mm. So a different time of the day, different people interacting with. But I think part of being a neighbor is that there's some sort of good in you that you want to portray to that other person and almost honor them as a person, not judging them who they are or what they're doing or why they're doing a thing, but just honoring that person 
and in a sense serving them and saying, I see that you are a fellow human in this life that we're going through, therefore you are a neighbor. Mm, I like that. I like the honoring part. I think the question you should ask yourself with any interaction with a person is how do I best honor this person right now? And that might be a simple smile at someone as you're walking past, or it might be, oh, shucks, this person's tires flat. Let me help them. Or it could be your actual neighbor who needs a babysitter quickly or whatever it is. I think an important question to ask yourself is how do I best honor this person right now? So how do I honor this person to be a better human for them and for myself. Yeah. I think that's a great, that's a great takeaway. I think that's pretty cool. Yeah. If you have honor, the world would be a better place. So if everybody would honor each other and treat each other as neighbors, mm -hmm. the world would be a better place. Yeah. And imagine what that could do to poverty cycles, to broken cycles too. That would be huge. Things would change. Things would change. Things would change and... It's actually just made me think and challenged me. How am I honoring or not honoring people as I go about my day? It's a, it's a pretty cool thought. It is. And going back, way back, I think if you look back in the Bible times, one of the first questions that the Pharisees or people who are questioning the faith around the time of Jesus, they actually, one of the first questions they asked him was, who is our neighbor? And it's such, thinking about it now, it's such an important question because they're asking it because they want to know who is our neighbor. In a sense, they can justify that person not being our neighbor. Mm. But I think they've got the question wrong. I think a question is, who isn't our neighbor? Because everyone is our neighbor, essentially. If, we, if we're saying to be human is, or can you be human without being a neighbor? And we're saying no. So then everybody's our neighbor. I mean, if you're taking it back to the Bible times, our second greatest commandment is to love your neighbor as you love yourself. And there's no specifications of who that neighbor is. It's literally, I think it's anyone your path comes across. And that command is a lot harder than what it seems on the face value. I think it, we re to really love your neighbor looks a lot differently to what maybe we are loving how we are loving our neighbors currently and what we think that could look like especially when your neighbor is very different to you i mean for for example someone of different religions how do you love someone who you disagree with just straight out how do you how do you love someone that has hurt you or that whose lifestyle offends you whatever who persecutes you like how do you love that person it is really difficult yeah, it, it, it really is. And the best way to love that person is to get to know that person. Yes. Unfortunately, we don't always have that opportunity, but definitely. And I think that's, that's what this goal of this podcast is, is to shed light on those differences and to shed light and give our neighbors a chance to speak and to be able to get to know them and to love them deeper or love them more radically. Um, which I think I'm really excited about. Yeah, for sure. Because I mean, in the end, we have all these differences, but we have one very core thing in common and that's we're all human. We're made in the same way. So why don't we talk about it? Let's talk about our differences and let's talk about our similarities because we all struggle, we all go through things. So why not share it? 
Exactly, exactly. So we're going to go out now onto the streets and get some opinions of some of our friends that we're going to meet and ask them what does it mean to be human and their thoughts on that so that we can go forward with this topic and engage on what the word of the street is basically. The word on the street. <laughs> exactly. So we want to know what the word on the street is about what it means to be human, um, our identity, our uniqueness, and let that shape our next, what, we have two months left of this topic? Probably more like a month and a half. So a month and a half of this topic, and we're going to let that shape the next month and a half of this podcast. And please join us along for the ride. Mm, and if you have, if you anything we say today has sparked an interest or you want to know more, you want to hear more, you want to discuss it more, or if there's something you think about being a human is super important that we might not have covered, let us know and we definitely want to discuss it. Even if it's only for a small portion of a podcast, we would really love to discuss it and hear your opinion. So, um, on to the word on the street. My name is Bill Keys. My name is Mzianda. My name is Melissa. I'm Tasneem. In each of your own words, what does it mean to be human? I feel like whatever you want to identify as, it's, it's in your right. And many people, they, some of them are insecure, they don't embrace who they are. So it's mostly those people and individuals that question others and put their insecurities onto other people. So. If you feel comfortable with who you are, allow others to feel comfortable with who they are and who they want to be as well and let them freely express that. I think many people underestimate me because I'm a young girl to them, but I'm a young woman. I can bring life into this world. I can prove them wrong. Just because they assume things about females being lower than them. So it's always the power that you have being a woman is what I enjoy. Um, to be human means to take control of your own identity. It means to, to know that at the end of the day you are the person in your body at all times. And I mean in society it's hard to certain like structures and you know things pushing us to kind of be another version of ourselves which is often like very confined or very like I don't know, very clean often to kind of fit a certain mold, which is often not us and it's often us like putting our humanity aside. So to be human, I think just to mean, means to be yourself and to kind of truly embrace identity and to know that even though it's not like someone else's, it's fine because we're all human. To be human, um, I think it involves a lot of compassion and a lot of sensitivity towards other people. Um, I just think that's like the root of humanness, is just acknowledging that there are other people out there that you need your help and that there are other people who have feelings. It's just, I don't know, it's just we are all linked. It's understanding my privilege, right, and not using it to, to sort of violate on others' rights. And secondly is to nurture people. So as you heard the word on the street there is that people are asking or wanting to engage on the privilege that comes with gender and color, but mainly gender. And that for me is very interesting. I never, I've thought about it, but not much. I think 
for me, the coolest part on the takeaway of the privilege, especially with regards to gender, was that the one guy who was speaking about it, he was saying that he wasn't saying it in a bad way, but he was actually being like, admit you have privilege and use it to help other people. Like, yes, you're a white male or you're a male, you're a female in this sort of environment. You have a privilege there. Use that privilege for the benefit of other human beings. And again, it comes to the core of caring for other human beings and love. Exactly. So I think that's going to set our next topic for our next podcast. Join us next week as we discuss gender and the privileges that come with it. And anything else that gender the, about gender that pops up. Thank you for joining us. And if you enjoyed this podcast, you can subscribe, share it with your friends, click the share button, or take a screenshot and share it on your social stories. And don't forget to tag us. Again, thanks for listening. Thank God It's Monday is a platform where we're calling our nation to rise up, live deeper, and love radically.